the business owner of the bidet company was like, Oh my God, I'm getting all this business. And, um, I was like, wow, I'm getting all this traffic and like this kind of works. And then I could just kind of did that over and over again and kept trying to find more interesting businesses and sharing their story. And that's when things really started rolling. Hey, what's up, you guys? My name is Michael Kershovsky, and welcome to episode 44 of That Remote Show, where we hear from location-independent entrepreneurs and professionals so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Today on the podcast, we're joined by Pat Walls, the founder and CEO of Starter Story and Try Pigeon. Pat's story in entrepreneurship begins in 2017 when with very little experience in blogging or starting a business, he launched Starter Story, a site dedicated to highlighting the stories of how founders have built their companies. Pat bootstrapped Starter Story on nights and weekends to now earning more than $8,000 per month and bringing in over 140,000 monthly visitors. While working on Starter Story, Pat decided to solve his own problem of trying to run and organize a business through Gmail, so he built Pigeon, a CRM for Gmail to help bloggers, freelancers, and salespeople to spend less time on email and land more sales. Pat is also widely recognized as a leader in the indie hacker community, which you will hear more about in this episode, and has launched several other side projects, most notably the 24-hour startup, which is the largest streamed online hackathon of all time. And in this episode, we talked about all of that, how he went from being an accountant to then learning how to code and becoming a software developer, and then going through the entire process of starting Starter Story and also what it's been like for him to manage two companies. You can find all the resources we mentioned in this interview on the website over at thatremotelife.com forward slash episode 44. That's episode all spelled out, followed by the number 44. All right, you guys, without further ado, let's dive into this awesome conversation with Pat Walls. All right, well, Pat, welcome to the show, brother. How you doing? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. Yeah, I'm super excited to have you on. Um, like we were talking about before we hit record, I've been following your journey for like a year or like a year and a half. I don't know how long it's been uh, ever since you really got started with Starter Story, which we'll talk about. Um, but I'm really excited to have you on. And but to get us started, you, we were just mentioning about you used to live in New York and you know you transitioned from living in New York to then quitting your job and you know launching. Uh, you know, your startup and your business. What were you doing in New York before all of this shit happened uh, in your life? Yeah, I was in New York, um, for, I think in like 2016, 2017, which is probably over two years now. Uh, I'm forgetting all the time. Three. And days, yeah. But, yeah, three <laughs> years now. Um, but I, it wasn't just New York. I was in uh, San Francisco. After I graduated college, I was in you know big cities, U.S. cities. Like uh, I was in San Francisco and New York City, and I was working corporate, uh, full time, not remote jobs. Uh, and I was working in startups, and I was also working at, in, as like a software engineer, um, kind of just like classic, classic uh, full time job that you'd expect. And then. It, but it was in New York about three years ago where I started working on uh, starter story or just like s- startups in general and trying to figure out how I can uh, have my own business or uh, have a startup or whatever. So that's kind of where it all incubated. Well, 
what was your background? I mean, like when you were in college, like what did you study and like wh- like what did you, did you actually have a software and like coding background or is that something that you learned kind of on the fly after you graduated? No, I actually studied accounting in college. And then I went and worked at like uh, one of the big four accounting firms, which is like a totally cor- – it's the most corporate job that you can imagine. So yeah, I, my mom's I an accountant, the- so I'm familiar with the, oh, yeah? <laughs> with the life. Yeah, yeah. And it, obviously not anymore. You left it. How long were you in it? No, not me. My mom. My mom oh, was an mom. accountant. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, she's still in it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Nice. Well, I, I quickly realized that wasn't the life for me being an accountant. So then I went and worked at a startup doing more like general startup stuff, like um, cl- more client work because uh, it was like this enterprise B2B startup. I was doing more of the technical side of things. And um, it was, yeah, because it was more technical, I thought about, okay, maybe I could also go learn to code because um, I want to get more technical. And so I took a, or I went to a coding boot camp in uh, San Francisco. And then that's when I became, that's when I learned to code. And then I became a software engineer and worked at like a couple of companies there. So that's how I got into it uh, from accounting. What was your experience with the uh, with the boot camp? Because um, I used to think that I wanted to go into web development at one point, and it's obviously a really great avenue if you want to be remote, right? Like coding is like great for that. Um, but there's so many free resources and I do get questions pretty often on like, you know, what should I do if I want to become a web developer and like work remotely? What was your experience with the boot camp and would you recommend it to other people? Yeah, I mean, the boot camp landscape is changing all the time. So it's a lot different than it used to be three years ago. And then two years before that, it's even different. For me, I I knew that I always, even in high school, I knew that I wanted to learn to code, but I never could like, muster up the willpower to learn it on my own so i always tried like the coding academy and i knew like deep down that i wanted to learn it and i didn't study it in school for whatever reason but i knew i needed something that could like basically kick me in the ass to learn how to code and this is like it's like literally a boot camp and you're there all day for three months it's very like a structured program um so for that reason like I'm not a software. The, uh, the whole goal of the boot camp, or a lot of these boot camps, is to get you a job as a software engineer. I'm obviously not a software engineer anymore. Like I don't do consulting. I more build like businesses and products. But it totally uh, lines you up to be a software engineer in a really fast period of time. So if that's what you want, even if it's that you want to do um, more remote stuff, work for a remote company as a software engineer, or do your own consulting. It's great for that. And it can really be a fast track for that. But if you're also the person that can self teach, then that works well too. And looking back, I realized that I probably could have taught myself, but um, it was a great way to like launch myself into that. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think, I think the boot camps are nice because um, when I was thinking about going down that route, um, I'm lucky enough that I have a friend who runs um, a little boutique, like web development shop in Cincinnati and the way that he described, because he's self-taught, and the way that he described it to me was, you essentially spend like three months banging your head against the wall, waiting for it yeah. to break down until something clicks. And it's really easy to give up if you're on your own. But if you're in a yeah. boot camp, you have somebody there to keep you pushing and you kind of, um, you know, like you put money down most of the time to to do it. You said that you always, you always kind of had 
like you always knew that you wanted to go down that route possibly. Was that because like coding and like technology was interesting to you or was it because you saw the power and the and like like you saw what you could do with it as a tool if that makes sense? Yeah, I as a kid I was always interested in technology, like maybe more like consumer technology, like computers. I was really good with computers and I, I was, you know, in love with like Apple products and iPods, always, uh, you know, on the up and coming most trendiest products. But, and I always think about this often is like, I didn't know growing up, I didn't know anybody who did computer science and it never felt like, it felt like it was too, I was not smart enough for something like that. Cause like, or even when I got to college and you see all the kids in the uh, engineering departments and like super smart math guys, I'm not like a math guy or a science guy or anything like that. So I just never really, I knew that it was something that, I would love to learn, but I didn't think I could do it. And like just my environment that I grew up in and my, you know, the people that I surrounded myself with, it just was not really like a reality until, you know, later way after college where I ran into people, like I actually ran into someone who was doing a boot camp, and I was like, well, you learned to code in three months. And then I started like researching the boot camps, like, wow, it's totally possible to learn it. And like anyone can learn it. And now I realize it's like anyone can do it. But back then it just didn't feel like um, it was realistic to learn how to code. They didn't have boot camps back then. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I so I struggle because, or I don't struggle. I think the web development scene and the coding scene is so interesting because talk about changing your life like that, right? Yeah. Like you could be doing something completely different, go to one of these boot camps. Yeah, you're probably gonna have to front some money but think about the ROI in over that instead of like going to college. Like web developers like get out of boot camps and immediately are hired making really good money. So like if yeah. today right now you're sitting and you know you're an accountant like you or like you know something else like and you were like fuck this, I'm done. I want to become a coder in 3 months you could literally have a job. And I think that that's why it's like it's amazing. Like it's it's I don't know of another profession or skill that can do that for you, you know? Yeah. No. Yeah. And I, I forgot about that part, but the money was a big thing. Like the boot camp that I went to was they guaranteed, they have this business model where um, you don't have to pay for the boot camp unless you get a job, mm-hmm. unless you get hired as a job. And then once you get the job, you pay them a percentage of your first year's salary. So I was like, all right, well, it's guaranteed that I'm going to get a job pretty much. Like they wouldn't put all this time and effort into me not getting a job. And then they showed like the stats of what you make getting out of the boot camp, And at the time it was like over a hundred grand right out of the boot camp. I was like, damn, like unless they're lying and I did my research and they weren't lying, then I can get that kind of salary and do something that I really want to do. And software engineers and coders in general, you don't really have to work that hard. Like when you run your own business is different now, but like when I remember back to my engineering days, your, your days are light, you know, you work 10 to four or something like that regular if you're thinking in regular office hours but it's a pretty it's a pretty good gig and if it only takes you three months to learn it then there's something there that um 
maybe won't be the same in 10 years. <laughs> yeah, I really like that same friend that was, uh, you know, kind of like guiding me when I wanted to become a web developer. One of the things that sold me on it was he said, really good developers tend to be really lazy because then they like find yeah. like really good code. You know, I was like, oh, I think this might be up my alley. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> But so so you become a developer, right? You start working for a startup, like you said, it, you know, you were kind of like working more as as a coder. At what point were you like, okay, I'm going to find, I'm going to start my own thing. I'm going to start a business. And was that something that you like, was that like a feeling or a desire that you had like somewhere deep within you ingrained or did you like never expect that that was going to happen and you were just in a, you know, an environment that made you start thinking that way? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And it's similar to the coding thing is that I think that I always had something deep down where I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Like if I look back when I had like, you know, little businesses running as a teenager or I had like an iPhone repair business in college and things like that. But then I growing up, I didn't know any entrepreneurs. My parents weren't entrepreneurs and uh, my friends were entrepreneurs. And then in college, you're not going to really run into too many entrepreneurs as well. Everyone's kind of doing the college doctor lawyer route. So it wasn't until after college and after getting into like a regular career and seeing that and even what I would do is I would change up my career because I was getting either bored with it or I wasn't happy with it just like I went and learned how to code or just like I went and changed from the accounting to the startup is that I wanted something new so I thought a career change would fix that but I think in reality I wanted to be my own boss and have my own company and um, go that route. So I think it was, I think it was always innate, but then it just took time to, um, make the jump and make the leap. And there was, there was lots of different things that I tried that didn't work out over the last four or five years as well. Like different, like business models or ideas or just like different yeah, things that you're trying to scratch that itch. Yeah. In San Francisco, me and my friends, we tried to start a before starter story which is the mo probably the most successful thing that I've done. We tried to start a SaaS business and get into YC. And we did that for like a whole year, like as a part-time while we had full-time jobs. So like the, the desire to start my own business and do my own thing was always there, but I've mostly had a full-time job alongside that, but not anymore anymore. But yeah. So where did the idea for Starter Story come from? Because like I was telling you, before we kind of like hit record, I saw your story and I think I saw like or heard about your product hunt. I'm not sure if you were yeah. posted there or I, I think you might have been. Probably. And I saw it on there and I was like, son of a bitch. He figured it out. I <laughs> love this idea. This is so cool. So like, where did the idea for this like come from? And like, yeah, what was just take me back to that time when like you kind of came up with the idea and you like launched Starter Story and what Starter Story is obviously. Yeah. So... Uh, the story will kind of explain what it is, but right after that failed startup with the YC, with the, uh, with the co-founders and everything, we closed that down. And then I realized that I guess I, it, starting that company was such an exciting thing for me to do, even though it failed that I knew that I wanted to do that, do it again, but I just needed to figure out a new idea and a new way of going about it. So I said, basically okay, I want to start a business now, but I'm going to do it myself because it was hard to start with other people. And also 
no one wanted to start a business with me <laughs> at that point. Um, so I was like, I, I just want to try something myself. So I started, um, well, first of all, I came across this website called IndieHackers.com. Have you heard of that one? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, really popular website that is about, uh, kind of the main demographic is developers starting their own uh, software businesses, websites, online businesses, or whatever. So I started coming across that right after the failed business. And it was like a lot of stories of people like me that were starting their own businesses. So I took that and got really inspired by that. And, um, but still I was working a full-time job and, you know, just working away and just looking for my next idea and just trying little things here and there and wasn't really getting anywhere. And then I started researching more into content marketing and building a blog. Um, so I started like working on a blog about something completely unrelated. Cause like, Oh, I could do this content marketing thing. I know how to build websites and stuff like that. And after a couple of weeks, that idea, like I had no more interest in the idea. And that was the moment where I realized, okay, I need to build a website or I, I need to do something about something I'm passionate about. And what that other website, what was about doesn't really matter. Cause I wasn't passionate about it. But at, at that moment I was like, okay, I want to build a website or a blog about people starting businesses because that's what I'm passionate about. I love listening to, you know, for example, the, how I built this podcast and things like that and watching movies about startups. And I love the process of starting a startup myself. So I was like, why don't I just start a website about other people starting businesses? And then maybe something will come out of it. Maybe I'll find a new idea that way, or I'll make some sort of connection networking and, that is kind of how Starter Story started. And I just started interviewing businesses and sharing the stories on the website. Um, and that was, I think, about just over two years ago where I started that website. And then everything kind of took off from there. Yeah. So I, I think it's interesting that you were immediately like, because I, I mean, like we talked about, I have a little bit of a background in the VC startup world as well. And like, one of the things that's really interesting is for people who transition from that world to then running something bootstrapped is that they immediately think they need a partner, right? It's, and it's because in the VC world, like, you know, everybody wants a partner because uh, it makes for a safer investment, right? So if one partner boots yeah. out, you still have one. It, it just makes for a better investment. But I want to touch on, you mentioned passion and like working on something that you're passionate about. And that's a topic that comes up over and over and over again in a lot of conversations. And I want to get your take on this a little bit more because there's basically two conversations going on on that topic, right? One is you have to do something that you're passionate about in order to be able to sort of like, you know, see it through and, and it, for it to keep you interested. And then the other camp sort of says that passion is a bit overrated. And as you start working on something, you will become like, as you get good at it, you will find passion and interest in it. What do you think about that? And like, kind of like, where do you sit on that conversation? Um, I mean, I think it's different for everyone. Like there are definitely people that run waste management companies that are happy and excited to go to work every day and build a company and build a culture, even though they're, you know, just moving trash or plumbing or, or whatever it is. So for me personally, um, I just look back at some of the failures that I had and was always, almost always because there wasn't passion and there wasn't any traction. So, and I also found that 
if I wasn't passionate about the topic that it was in, then it was going to be harder for me to talk about the business with other people, explain the business, um, talk to customers. For example, the, the startup that we built that failed, one of the first startups I built, I built. I didn't know anything about the industry because one of my co-founders was more in the industry. So I just was more the technical side of things. And I, I didn't feel as confident about a lot of the things of the business because I wasn't passionate about the topic and learning more about the topic. So I can see the, I can see both arguments, but uh, for me, it's just more fun to work on something that I'm passionate about. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think it's about I don't think there's necessarily like a right or wrong answer. But it's about like, what's right for you and like, do like a self audit and figure out like, which personality or which, um, like thought process sits better with your personality. Um, getting back to starter story, though, so you start this blog that's focused on startups and sharing kind of like, the stories of launching these businesses and these startups. Were you just like making like blog posts about these? And then like, at what point did it like hit? Right? Like at what point did like everything change? Um, so yeah, well, it's an interview format. So um, I don't write the posts. I either interview the entrepreneur or the, um, yeah, basically just interview the entrepreneur. So it's more of like a blog post that they're writing with just kind of standard questions. How'd you start? How'd you come up with the idea? How'd you grow the business? Um, so I just started and, um, you know, I got my first interview done and then second and the third and the fourth. And at that point, like no one was reading the website, right? I didn't like get big on the fourth one or the fifth one or the sixth one. I was just like, so excited to build the website and have the collection of interviews and have something that looks like a website, you know, it's not just like one interview. It's a, it's a website and a collection of them. Um, and like in the first month there was maybe a hundred, 300 people that visited the website. And that was just from like people that were interviewed sharing on their Facebook or whatever. So after that, I mean, I think it was like, it was such a slow process to get started. I look back now and it seems like it would be so easy to start, but it was, it was definitely a slow grind finding the interviews, um, you know, making them really nice and, and designing the website and all that. So it, nothing really took off for, I think like three or four months. And then what really took things off was the first kind of viral interview that I did where uh, it just kind of like, it was a pretty simple story about someone selling uh, bidets online. Um, and they're making like 10,000 bucks a month. So I just, uh, made the title 10,000 bucks a month selling bidets and then put that on Reddit and put that on a few other websites. And then that was the first time it kind of blew up. And then like the, the business owner of the bidet company was like, Oh my God, I'm getting all this business. And, um, I was like, wow, I'm getting all this traffic and like this kind of works. And then I could just kind of did that over and over again and kept trying to find more interesting businesses and sharing their story. And that's when things really started rolling. So it, was about, it took like four months to get started, really. That's like still pretty quick, man. Like I think there's probably <laughs> some people who are like blogging who hear that and they're like, oh man, what the hell? But do you remember what that was like when you kind of like, like realized that it had popped and that like it had gone viral? Like what was that like? Yeah, that was crazy, crazy feeling. Like 
Well, anytime that the, the interviews would go big was, was always like, and this is the thing with starting a business that you, I'm sure you experienced well, is like you have your low moments and you have your high moments. Those are those like crazy high moments. I, I woke up uh, in the morning and just like check Reddit. Cause you know, just like type in R on, on your browser, just like you're going to be, um, you know, just browsing some random subreddit. You don't even, I didn't even remember that I posted it the night before. And then I, I look and there's like, 50 notifications and I click it. I'm like, Oh my God, it's been upvoted 500 times or something like that. And then, you know, going to work that day and you're like, Oh, like it's so hard to focus on your like your full time <laughs> job. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's what it was like that. And I, I do like reminisce about those times. Those are really fun and I, it doesn't really happen anymore, but yeah. Yeah. I think that that's, um, that's one of the things that when you're just getting started, you don't really realize that journey of entrepreneurship, right? Where you're like really excited at the beginning because it's a new thing and then it all kind of tapers out. And like, there's this like long period of just like, uh, like slogging around and then like something pops and you get excited yeah. Yeah. and you need to almost like carry like that energy needs to carry you through until the next one and the next one, and the next one. It's really interesting to me that like Reddit was what helped you with this because Reddit is one of those social media platforms that like you shouldn't be prom- like it's really difficult to promote yeah. on because it's not like on Facebook where you just throw something up right like the Reddit community is very like picky what mm-hmm. are your rules about like you obviously posted this story but like what are your rules about like promoting on Reddit in a way that Reddit finds authentic and um like approves of yeah it's a great question uh and that's a way longer story but um, that's the thing is I didn't just post it on Reddit and then it got upvoted. That was like probably the 20th or 25th time that I posted a story on Reddit and I was constantly tweaking things. And finally it hit, like I had the right title. It was the right kind of story, but you know, there was plenty of fail times before that where it never got any upvotes. Um, the longer story behind Reddit is that actually, I don't post on Reddit anymore because of some of the reasons you said is that uh, people are very sensitive to self-promotion there. So although it was like Reddit was really the reason why starter story grew so much. And um, we, you know, been upvoted like, I don't know, 30 or 40,000 times on my account. Now, eventually it came to a point where um, there's a little bit of a mob on Reddit and they were getting really, um, they were getting vocal about how much we post our stories and to saying it's self-promotion saying it's spam and all that stuff. So I don't post on Reddit anymore. And that's a way longer story. You can, if you look on my Twitter, maybe you can put in the show notes, I put a tweet about that whole story. Um, but I will give advice for people that are wanting to go on Reddit is yeah, you don't want to look like you're self-promoting make, try to add as much value into the Reddit interface itself so don't just like link to your own post put the whole post in reddit um kind of like switch things up so it's more i guess geared towards the reddit community like maybe switch up your title or switch up your intro or uh, use some sort of common phrases or terminology of the subreddit or or simply just ask for advice on reddit that's another good thing instead of saying like um a statement as a title saying like, Hey, I just, instead of saying I built a web app, say I built a web app about blah. What do you think? And ask for their advice. So instead of just self-promoting, try to be more about the conversation, the interaction. 
Mm, gotcha. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because Reddit, it really seems that like when people know how to use it, it really works. But there's so many people who like don't know how to use it and it like ends up being a nightmare for them. So it's interesting to hear that that's kind of, you know, where things got started for you. When you so when you were getting started with Starter Story, were you thinking about how you were going to monetize this and turn it into a business? Like, was that in the back of your head, or was it just something that, like, once it kind of like blew up, you were like, okay, this is a real business and it needs to make money? Yeah, it's a good question too. Is I did think about it, but I don't think I thought about it like super seriously because again when i started starter story i was like this is going to be a vehicle to start another business like um to maybe meet someone who would be a future co-founder learn about some industry uh network with some people or just become more knowledgeable about startups and marketing and, and all or just building a uh content business or something like that so i always approached it like I don't really, especially because I had a full-time job, I had the the means to not have to make money right away. So I made everything on the website was free. There was no ads. It was just like a very pure website back then. Uh, I still try to keep as much of that now, but um, I also think that is part of the reason why um, I was able to monetize and why people like the site so much is that it wasn't just about, um, you know, selling a course or, um, you know, paywalling everything or a bunch of ads all over the site. It was just very pure. So I think that that actually helped, but um, I knew that you could always monetize with things like affiliate marketing. And I was starting to hear more about sponsors and Patreon and that kind of thing. So I knew there might've been something there, but um, I was able to, to monetize. I, I didn't monetize it for at least four months. It might've been more like six months. So how does Starter Story make money now? Because it's obviously been several years since you got that started. And I got to say the site looks fantastic. It's I, I usually talk a lot about like, there's certain websites that I like being on and I like spending time on them. And Starter Story is one of those. Indie Hackers is another one like that as well. So how does, you know, how does Starter Story make money today as a business so the the main way that starter story has always made money and we have a few different income streams but the main one is our sponsor so um, we have a sponsor called clavio and they are an email marketing company similar to like a mailchimp Um, just they have a bit more of of an advanced program uh, for maybe bigger more serious businesses that want to do more automation Um, and they're mostly e-commerce focused right yep Yep. Yeah. Um, so they, similar to uh, a podcast or a YouTube uh, native sponsor where like you watch a YouTube video and they say, oh, this video is brought to you instead of like an ad that's served by YouTube, this video is sponsored by blah, blah, Squarespace, whatever. Um, that's the kind of business model I have. So most of the revenue comes from the sponsor. And then I put uh, the sponsors, I put like native banner ads on the website. And also on the mailing list, every mailing uh, email newsletter they're put on there. And um, they've been the sponsor for Starter Story for almost two years now. So um, one thing that I've always been, I guess I've always tried to find long-term sponsors because 
in the early days of starter story, I didn't always have them as a sponsor in the early days of starter story, you'd find someone for two months and then you find another person. And it was always this very time consuming process. I was lucky enough. And I, I do think it has a lot of, lot to do with luck to find a company that um, wants to sponsor for a long time and is invested in the website as a whole and its growth rather than just, um, you know, to convert this month's numbers or whatever that they've, they're very invested in close with the website and we work together closely. How did you find them? Like, I think that that sounds uh, amazing to a lot of people listening <laughs> is to have somebody who pays you for two years, but how did that relationship start? Like, how did you like get to that level? Yeah, no. And that's a, that's a great question too. And I, Indie hackers was acquired by Stripe. Um, so I think that's another good example of like, a symbiotic relationship between two companies. Like they thought Indie Hackers was, you know, beneficial for startups and entrepreneurs and online businesses as a whole, that it would be worth it for them to run in their own business. Um, and, but the thing is, and that's my previous point before is that I didn't focus on monetization at first. And I think what happened is first of all, they, the, the company reached out to me, the CEO of the company reached out to me and said, Hey, I like what you're doing. And that was because of an interview that I think it's because of an interview that went viral that probably got shared around a lot. And maybe he saw the website and saw that it wasn't, you know, a course selling thing, or it wasn't, you know, um, it was fresh and new and uh, unique. And maybe that's what, you know, kind of kicked everything off. But they reached out to me and then ever since then is history. And do you mind, um, you know, sharing like you don't have to or like just kind of like a ballpark figure in terms of like Starter Story is a pretty big website now. Like how much like revenue do you do monthly? Yeah, Starter Story. Um, I share all my metrics on my website at starterstory.com slash open. And then I'll send you the link to the more detailed reports that I do on another blog of mine. Um, but starter story makes, and there are other revenue streams other than the sponsor, but that is probably 50 to 60% of the revenue comes from the sponsor. Um, but starter story makes about $8,000 a month. And some of the other revenue sources are, um, I have like a premium membership. So some, uh, loyal readers will pay a little bit extra from, or they'll pay some money per month to have access to premium content and um, additional data and filters and things like that. And then I make some money on affiliate marketing too. Yeah, just from like, uh, if there's like a product or a, a software that you feature or some of that, you make money off of that? Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of our interviews, um, people talk about the tools they use or the mm. books that they really like. So some, I'll make some money. It's not much, but I'll make some money from the Amazon affiliate program um, or, you know, someone links to Shopify, they have an affiliate program and they pay me if, if someone signs up. Yeah. So you said that, um, a little bit earlier, you said that when you get first started starter story, it was just, uh, almost like a vehicle for you until you start something else. And yeah. I know that now you run pigeon, which is an email marketing software. So let's talk a little bit about that because I think it's really interesting that you, I mean, even though starter story became successful in a business in its own right, you still went on to do something else. Where did the idea for pigeon come from? And then like, like, yeah, let's just start with that. Where did the idea for pigeon come from? Um, just kind of like lay that out for us. Uh, so uh, pigeon is a Gmail CRM or Gmail marketing email tool. 
uh, where you can, um, if you do a lot of work over email, you can manage your leads and send automated follow-ups and just kind of automate more of your process inside Gmail. So where that came from is actually running Starter Story because Starter Story is um, mostly email, how we do the interviews. So we send out Google Docs and we just email back and forth with founders and um, it's all run from Gmail. So I needed a way to uh, set deadlines from inside Gmail and have like a, a little database inside Gmail where I can see all the interviews, what status they're in, deadlines, follow up with the interviews when they're published, follow up when the interviews to get more referrals, just like running a business inside Gmail is really what it was. So that's why I built Pigeon. And um, we use that currently today to publish. We're doing like, last month we did 76 interviews with entrepreneurs. So it helps us automate a lot of the process. But I decided to build, and more on the reason why I decided to build that is one needed the product for Starter Story. Um, cause of the current tools out there weren't able to do a lot of things we needed to grow. And then also just to kind of like diversify, um, I guess my investments or my businesses that I have, although starter story is, um, doing really well. Um, the, the business model behind it is, you know, sometimes a little bit scary. Like if you lost your sponsor or, you know, something happened, it's not like a, um, a, a recurring SaaS income stream. And that's kind of the direction that I want to go into um, in the next, you know, five, 10, 15 years is to, is to build a software product. So that's kind of where Pigeon's going, but I still run both of them. What has it been like? Um, Cause I think it's, it's very common for people like us who have that entrepreneurial personality to kind of like want to do different projects, but one of the difficulties that comes with it, right, is juggling them. So what has that been like for you, um, juggling kind of both companies, even though there is some overlap, there's still two different projects. So what has it been like juggling them? And do you have any tips for people who are possibly in the same situation as you? Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Um, running two businesses is, running one business is, is tough. So two businesses is also really tough. Um I actually, how can I say this? Last year, well, I've always wanted to start something more on top of Starter Story because maybe for the reason that I see so many exciting businesses. And again, I want that uh, diversified income stream or whatever. But last year, I, I was starting all these different kinds of businesses, like before Pigeon, um, and you know, launching lots of different stuff on product hunt. And it was at a point where like late last year, I guess not last year, the year before last year. So about a year ago, um, I had like, I wanted to find like the next idea. So I kept launching new stuff on product hunt, building small products, seeing what would, what would hit. And then I, I came to a point where I had like five different products and like nothing was really doing much other than starter story. So I went from having all these different ideas and, and all these different projects. And I shut all those down and I was like, okay, I'm going to just focus on two things. Starter story, which is, um, and I think you, you probably want to talk about this too, or you had mentioned at least in, before we talked about running a team. So a lot of the starter story is run. I have a small team that runs that now. Um, so I said, so I decided, okay, I'm gonna, we're going to focus to keep growing starter story. And then pigeon is the only thing. And it's going to be a long-term project instead of like a lot of these short small things that wouldn't work out 
um, I need to pick a problem to solve and work on it for the next five, 10 years. And that's what pigeon is. I think it's interesting. The, um, the method that you took of like kind of putting out a bunch of these like little things uh, I myself call it the Peter levels model, uh, who I think is like a pretty popular yeah. figure in the indie hackers community. Um, he kind of like runs shit over there <laughs> in a way. Um, yeah. But Peter levels, the founder of nomad list for those people who don't know him by name, but probably know who, what nomad list is. But the way that it started was that he just started swinging the bat and until something connected. And that was nomad list. And that's something that I've always found interesting. Um, but yeah, so like w- the other thing, it's interesting that we touched on Peter Levels because something that I wanted to ask you about was the risk, like you have gained some, like you've gained credibility as an indie hacker, like as somebody who builds like businesses in that way. You're, you know, you have quite a bit of following on indie hacker itself. Um, I've seen, I've seen you on product hunt and on Twitter, you have a little bit of a following. How does that, like, what's it like being, in that position where people look to you for advice in that community. And then like, take me through the process of how that happened. Was it something that you expected happening? And do you like, what's it feel like being there and like, you know, having people approach you and ask for advice and having that sort of responsibility? Yeah, that's a great question. First of all, yeah, Peter Levels is an amazing, amazing guy. I, I met him when I was traveling in, uh, in Bali and I talk to him every now and then, and he's, he is the, he's probably the biggest inspiration for me. And I don't know if I would be here today without just like seeing what he did and, and what's possible as a solo entrepreneur, which I am. But to answer your question about um, like what it's like to have some sort of following, and I, I honestly think like, I feel like the biggest imposter or fraud always because I somehow managed to get some people following me and thinking that I did something like big quote unquote, which I don't think I did. Um, which is just weird, uh, you know, imposter syndrome, right. Is, is like the mm-hmm. only way that I could explain how I feel about that. Yeah. So how did that happen? Like, how did that, was it from indie hackers you just posting about it or like what exactly like launched that? Yeah, that's a good question. So it first started from the open startup reports. So you blog every month about how much money you made and how you're doing and you be and I was being really transparent about it saying, Oh, I made 30 bucks last month. And then I talk about what worked and what didn't work. And that's something that I completely ripped off from Peter levels and other people that that do that kind of thing. So I was slowly getting some kind of followers that way. And then the big thing that um, I don't think I'm not sure if you've seen this or, but um, the big thing that kind of blew everything up was this thing called the 24 hour startup. Did you ever see that? Yep. Yeah. So I, this is in the time that I was just referencing where I was launching lots of different stuff. Um, I decided that I was going to build a startup, a startup in quotes, a product um, in 24 hours and stream everything on Twitch. So I, I made, I, I tweeted, okay, I'm going to, build this in 24 hours and I'm gonna, it's going to be from empty code base to launched on product hunt in 24 hours. And you can watch me do the whole thing. So I did that. And then like, that's when my Twitter blew up and like, I got a bunch of followers and following on indie hackers and all that kind of thing. And then I kind of ran with that at that point. Um, and I built 
after doing the 24 hour startup for myself, I did the 24 hour startup challenge. So I made, because that kind of, it kind of took off the 24 hour startup. A lot of people were like, Oh, I'm going to try streaming and streaming was getting kind of popular. I was like, okay, let's make a hackathon online and everyone can do 24 hour startups. And then we made this huge online event. This is about a year ago. And that was kind of the thing that also really kind of propelled the indie hackers and Twitter following. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I um my my fiance was out of town for a little bit and I was like I don't know if I knew that you did that. It might have been in my head that like you did that or something cuz I was like, "Oh, I'm going to try to do that with a new website that I was building in." Dude, it's really hard to do anything even though you might not be talking, knowing that you're being streamed, like your yeah. brain like blocks up and I'm like, "I don't know what I'm doing right now." You know, it's like yeah. it's so difficult. Yeah. I got to say, thank you so much for um, stopping by. I want to be respectful of your time. Um, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your story. Um, I think it's incredibly cool what you've done and kind of like the way that you've done it and sharing everything. Um, so thank you for that. And if anybody's listening um, that wants to come over and you know kind of like see more of what you're doing, uh, check out Starter Story or Pigeon. Where can they do that? Yeah, so um, you can find me on Twitter, Twitter. Uh, twitter.com slash the pat walls or just search pat walls twitter um in my bio on twitter you'll see a link to starter story and pigeon um but that's starterstory.com and trypigeon.co if you want to find that and then um i have like a personal blog and things of that nature but i'll, I'll send that to you in the show notes yeah we're gonna add everything that you've mentioned in the show notes so if anybody's listening don't feel like you have to remember that go to the website you'll get that there <laughs> Well, Pat, thank you so much for coming by, man. I really appreciate it. And um, all the best, brother. Yeah, thanks, man.